Now, hello there, folks. You are listening to To a Certain Degree with your usual host, Nick. But the sharp-eared individual will have noticed that this is not Nick. This is actually Academy Award winner Matthew McConaughey subbing in to introduce the podcast. Now, every other Monday, Nick will actually break format and do a different kind of episode called Odd Numbers. He invites a guest who comes prepared with a certain topic. This week's topic is comedy, and his guest is none other than the distinguished up-and-comer, Chris Anderson. So sit back. Why don't you give your eyes a rest? Open up your ears and listen, because this is to a certain degree with Nick and Chris. Good morning. Thank you for listening to WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to Odd Numbers. My name is Nick. I am here with a very special guest as I am every week, uh, but with a different format. So this is not the full interview format that you might be used to, or if you're just tuning in for the first time, this is exactly what you should be tuning into. My very special guest today, Chris Anderson. Chris, good morning. Good morning, Nick. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. And for that sudden stop. And we were having such a good conversation that sudden stop and the song came up on us unawares. Yeah, before our listeners interrupted us. Yeah. So hopefully our conversation translates to the on-air part, or at least the comfortability. Comfortability? Comfortability. Comfortability. Yeah, I think that's how you say it. Yes. We did hear a song. Let's go ahead and say that was King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard with Countdown. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm glad that you're saying that. I'm glad that we're finally saying that, you know? I think it's, it's been a long time coming since we could say those words in that particular order on the air. I'm not going to repeat it. Yeah. Because obviously as... Let's not push it. FCC rules and regulations, you can only say it once per hour. Right. If you haven't guessed already, Chris is a very uh, funny and interesting guest. He's been on the show once already uh, with an improv background. Yes. And so uh, you are... Uh, coming from a comedy point of view, a comedy standpoint. And one of the things I would uh, wanted to talk to you about was the comedic influences in your life. So if you had to pick five groups, artists, stand-ups, whoever those were, um, and we can dig into the specific uh, sketches or things of that nature uh, that may have really hit you or may, may have really resonated with you. And I relish the opportunity. Great. And you said, yes, I relish that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Just like you did a minute ago, may I come on to your show? I'm I'm reading my email right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad to be here. Very so much. let's jump into it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get started. I wanted to tell this story because it is improv related and it's related to one of the groups that was very influential on me. Okay, and that is Kids in the Hall. Ah, uh, classic. So I was just kind of tooling around the interwebs one day and I got an email from SAC Comedy Lab, which is a fantastic place to take classes and a fantastic place to see shows. If you haven't been there already, I'm sure you've been there a million times. I have. And that's where uh, Wayne Gretzky, I think, started his comedy career. Absolutely. Wayne Gretzky. There's a lot of different people who have started there, but mainly just Wayne Gretzky. (laughs) So I yeah. couldn't think of any other names at the moment. So Wayne, the names are hard. Wayne, I know you're listening. If you want to call in and tell us about your how your comedy is going now that you retired from the uh, the NHL, please feel free to do that. So they were having Kevin McDonald come in. Kevin McDonald being one of the members, the five members of the Kids in the Hall, okay. uh, the original members, I would say. But there's only always been five. And the way I read it 
it was more of a stage writing, script writing class. Okay. So I was like, oh, this is fantastic. I would love to see how he does that. I do the radio stuff and, you know, I feel like I'm over scripted. So if there's a play on improv with that. Yeah. And if you could just look me in the eyes for once, instead of just reading off your paper, that well, would be. Do you appreciate that I scripted all of your words as well? So oh. everything we're saying right now. Yes, I do. Including the interruptions. Yes, that is the most impressive thing about it. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, So it turns out it was also a performance class, which I wasn't against. I just didn't realize it was going to be that. Right. You didn't bring your performance pants. I didn't have any performance pants on. Uh, (laughs) Wow. That sounded fantastic. I had pants on, okay, just not my performance pants. Right. But we ended up practicing. We ended up getting into groups, doing a uh, sketch, and in sort of the writing method that they came up with. And I performed that, that night on stage uh, during his performance. So he did like a special performance where he got up, did some stand-up. Then we did ours, the students in the class. Then he got up there with some of the people from there. I, you said during his performance. I thought you meant... He's up there performing. We're in the background. <laughs> and then you just went up in front of him. Like, yeah. Is that what he did? No, no. no. That would be <laughs> hilarious, though. We should have done it that way. <laughs> Kevin, if you're listening, just consider that as a format. But it was what I loved about it, uh, a couple of things. It got me up on stage. Mm-hmm. And so every time you can go up on stage, you get a little less afraid of that. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And you realize that um, you build that trust. And it was only a one day class so i you haven't really dealt with those uh the people again so i know in improv generally it's uh you know the more you practice obviously the more you can do improv and perform improv with anybody mm-hmm. but it also helps to have the same person uh on a regular basis that you're interacting with because you build yeah. that trust a lot more yeah and you develop kind of the shorthand you just kind of know what each other is going to do right. and you know that you're going to pick up on each other's cues and yeah, that he's got your back. He or she. He or she. Um, but yeah, it's it's cool. That familiarity really helps the performance aspect. So one of the things he went into was writing and was the way they wrote for the sketch show that they did on stage in Toronto. Because mm-hmm. they're from Canada. I'm from Canada as well. I think that's one of the reasons I had such a okay, connection yeah, yeah. to them is because, and I've kept my Canadian citizenship and I'm realizing it's like, almost uh, keeping that email and outlook that you need to follow up on, but isn't that important or outlook or Gmail or wherever you're keeping it. I don't want to tell you where to keep your email. I don't want to prescribe that. Yeah. But that's what my Canadian citizenship is, is I want to connect with it a little bit more. And that's a reminder to me to go and figure out like, where do I come from? Where, what kind of country is it? We joke a lot about, you know, escaping to Canada. If you're, Depending on the last 16 years or so, uh, being in this country or 20 years, however long it's been since uh, there's been any controversy about uh, the presidency and the leadership on either side um, about escaping up there. But I don't know that much about it. So keeping my Canadian citizenship. So having a group come and be successful and be very different, be very alternative when it comes to comedy. Yeah, um, that was very impactful to me. So. The way they wrote it was they would go off, and again, this was for their stage show first, which they treated almost like the TV show. They would do specific sketches for each one. 
uh, and this is the way they wrote for the television show eventually, they would go off on their own or find other writing partners. They wouldn't necessarily write together. Okay. So the five of them would go off, uh, and they would come up with the idea for a scene. So the example that Kevin McDonald used was uh, Bruce McCullough might come up and say, Elvis is your landlord. Mm-hmm. And they would just start the scene. So okay. they would just start. And then if they liked it, based on that, if they liked it. They like would, improvising? Well, completely improvised. Okay. They would get a few beats that they knew they wanted to hit. But then they would improvise it again. And then the third time would be on stage, if I remember correctly. Okay. Kevin, Kevin, if you're listening, let me know if that is, or any of the kids in the hall. Let me know if that is correct. But that was amazing to me. Yeah. Is that you're just, you you trust everybody enough that you're going to go up, try this out. And as the person who came up with the idea, you're not going to have so much ego attached to it that you say, no, 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 Elvis is your landlord is a great idea. We just didn't perform it correctly. Right. Or write it all out and expect that, you know, I really wanted this payoff. You're trusting the other people to bring it to another level and take it in a direction that you may not have expected. Right, right, exactly. And that, yeah, that's that's an important part of it because they will. Because yeah. no one is going to... No one's going to go directly into exactly. your head. Yeah. yeah, Elvis, unless it, the title was Elvis is your landlord and he asks you for rent and you don't have the rent so you pay him in peanut butter <laughs> and bacon sandwiches and then he dies on your front stoop. Right. In that case you know exactly where it's going. It's not that funny either. Sorry. I, I try to Sorry, title my sketches the, yeah. that specifically. It helps <laughs> me remember which one is which. That's good. That's really yeah. good. So what was interesting about that is finally going back and learning about how they wrote is that here's this group that was influential to me um, and in many ways would have been more influential to me had I known that's what they did. So digging in and really finding out how they did what they do. And I think um, Monty Python was very uh, similar in terms of that because they would go off and they would write full sketches, but they wouldn't do it together. Everyone would go off and kind of go on their own and write it. Mm -hmm. And then they would expect the group or one of the the takeaways from the group process when they got back together was figuring out if it was good or not. Mm, Okay. Because you become married to an idea, right? As a, as yeah. a sketch writer, as you are, yeah. you become very married to that idea. Yep. And maybe you get stuck here and there, but overall you think this is the way to go. This is going to be, these are the beats that I want mm-hmm. and these are the things that I need. Have you ever been there? I have been there, <laughs> yep. I, I, uh, I tend to like my ideas. Um, right. <laughs> That's weird that we do that as humans. Yeah, yeah, very weird. <laughs> Um, and it's always nice to have someone challenge that and push back. And I, there's always a little bit of like, oh, but no, but you're missing the point. It's it's this. But then if you really like go with it and see where it goes, yeah. Oftentimes, I've found that they're able to take it to a more interesting place, which is something really you cool. hadn't considered, or mm-hmm. in some cases, can't maybe suggested that it isn't the right direction at all. Like mm-hmm. maybe it's okay. It, it it's too complicated to explain in two minutes or right. something along those lines. Cause that's, that's been brought up to me a couple of times when, you know, just twice yeah. when I've written things like maybe no one's going to understand this except you and, like, or like think it's funny. Not. <laughs> maybe, maybe this don't is don't do comedy. No. <laughs> also not drama. <laughs> so this is neither. 
This might be a technical manual. <laughs> so if you could do it that way, if you could deliver it that You've way. You've told me how to operate a microwave oven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the specific sketches I, I really liked was uh, Simon and Hecubus from Kids in the Hall. So this was sort of the, he was very, Kevin McDonald was actually in it along with um, uh, Mick something. Oh gosh, I can't believe I can't remember his name. In any case, he was, uh, Kevin McDonald was playing sort of this, this evil gentleman. He kind of looked like, uh, what's the Tom Hanks character, the Halloween character? Tommy Pumpkins. Oh, or, uh, <laughs> David S. Pumpkins. David S. Pumpkins. Which is actually maybe on my list. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, so a little bit of, uh, but he looked a little bit like that in terms of uh, not very evil. Okay. But right. he was talking about how evil he was, but it was in terms of, you know, interrupting people or okay. uh, lying to people and things like that. Yeah. But it was all Satan and sign of the beast and things of that nature. So it was really, really good. But that sort of... Um, dichotomy really influenced me in terms of my writing because it was it was subtle and not necessarily so over the top that you're making fun it's not satirical of whatever like you're not researching what satanism means or being evil and all that stuff it's really about the character Mm -hmm. more than anything else and you're you're sort of uh, making not making fun of the character but creating a character that's going to be easy to to understand and laugh at yeah, to yeah. an extent. Just, yeah, somebody who thinks they're so far gone and so evil, and then, yeah, it's like, yeah. You're, you're not. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing of it. Okay, so that's my first one, Kids in the Hall. Why don't we play another song, and we'll come back, Chris, with yours. Let's do it. You're listening to Odd Numbers. Chris Anderson is my very special guest today, and we are talking about our comedic influences and if you have some comedic influences, great. Shout it, in, shout it into your radio. That would be wonderful. And if not, if you have dramatic influences, we'll talk to you at a later date with a different guest. Check back in. Yeah, that would be wonderful. You're listening to Odd Numbers on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. This is Beach House with Wild. This episode is brought to you by Beside Yourself. The CIA, the NSA, your internet service provider, hackers, fishers, credit card skimmers everywhere you turn someone is trying to steal your identity your financial information and they are spying on you you probably shouldn't go outside at all can beside yourself keep your identity safe no chance so why don't we give you someone else's identity fight fire with fire in the basic version of our service we give you an identity from another one of our customers we switch identities every 60 days so no one really knows who you are Need a security upgrade in your communications? Guess what? You're sending letters now. We reteach you how to write in cursive so no computer can scan your writing automatically. Order now and our technicians will install a phone booth near your home. If it was secure enough for the Sopranos, it's secure enough for you. Besides yourself, untraceable, untrackable, probably legal, open an account at toacertaindegree.com. Beach House on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. That was wild from their album, Bloom. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to Odd Numbers. Every week I do a show, some sort of interview show with a very special guest. And sometimes I have returning guests. And one of them is here right now, Chris Anderson. Hello. Hey, Chris. I'm back. I'm so glad you're back. Me too. So I started this new format so I could have guests come back and you know talk about something different to not go into a lot of detail on themselves although i do have some questions for you about 
what you're doing, where you're performing. Um, I saw some of your sketches online. So we're talking about comedy and comedy influences today. So how would one follow you and how would one uh, get to know some of the, your, your comedic style, if you will? Yeah, well, um, so I am, I currently am partnered up with a man named Lucindo Texera. And he's a good friend of mine from doing improv at, at Adlib Theater. And we we consider ourselves a, a sketch team. Yeah. And we have made a few videos. Uh, they're on our Facebook page and on YouTube as well. But our, we go by the name of Two Fat Boys. That's uh, it's some silly spelling. Get ready for this. Okay. okay. I'm ready. We hang got, on. Hang on. Okay. Yes. Pen. Okay. Uh, we got the numeral two. Yep. Already off to like a pretty... So not the Roman numeral, not I.I. Not I.I. Just Just two. the two, but it's not written out. Okay. You're never supposed to start sentences with a numeral two. But I'm glad since my, since my, the name of my show is to a certain degree, I'm glad there's little confusion there because I spell yes. it out T.O. You do. Yeah. And so it's good. Yes. I so like it so far. We're doing something different. So two. Yep. Fat. P-H-A-T. Is the P capitalized? Of course. Okay, just making sure. Of course. We're, Writing it we're down. We're not animals. And boys, B-O-I-Z. What? Right? <laughs> Where'd that come from? So, yeah, we are two fat boys. And Luke is very tall and skinny. <laughs> uh-huh. So, yeah, we're just a couple. And I'm, you know, as you see, I am also very... Well, I'm, I would yeah. I've please describe it because we have a radio audience today. I've been described as the size of a Ken doll. Okay, I don't look like Ken in any way, but yeah. I'm about the size the of a proportions of a Ken doll. Yes. Okay. So it's very silly. Yeah. That we're two fat boys. Are you? And I hesitate to ask this on the air, so maybe we wait till later. Are you anatomically correct? Thank you. Uh, so. So, so we <laughs> yeah we do sketches. Yeah, and is that, okay, so writing the sketches and performing, do you still allow for some improv in that? Or is it you try to go with what you've written and collaborated on? I assume you both collaborate on the, the scripts. Yeah, the way we've been doing it so far is we, we'll get together and then we'll just, we'll just throw out a bunch of ideas. And if something sounds interesting, then we'll just kind of talk it through where that, how that could be funny. And then one of us will be tasked with writing it out. Yeah, and then once that's done, the other will take a look at it, put any notes or offer anything, and they often change quite a bit from when they're first written to when we feel like the the script is done. And then as we're filming it, we do try to film everything that's on the page mm -hmm. as written, but then we also will take a, alternative takes. Oh, okay, so when you're editing, you can try it out. Yeah, we found. Improv is difficult to edit when you're filming a sketch <laughs> because it doesn't line up. Yeah, sometimes you don't to hit the points that you need to hit mm -hmm. in order to move the plot along. Or you'll you'll say something a little different, and then the the planned reaction to that it doesn't quite line yeah. up with it. So, because we try to do multiple angles as we're doing it, so uh, it's it is difficult to do improv. So we try to stick to the script, but sometimes we find some funny things as we're filming it. The last one that I saw had a very complicated handshake at the beginning. Okay, yeah. As I think he was arriving at your house in the in the yes. video. 
Uh, was that completely choreographed? Because I would imagine that's probably uh, something in terms of rehearsing took quite a bit of time. Uh, it took two, three minutes before we started filming. Really? We just, we just banged it out. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm pretty impressed. Well, thanks. And we, and we filmed it a, uh, about three times before we got like the the good good spit take on that one. <laughs> that was because it does involve super spitting into gross. our hands and 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 shaking, and you can really see it fly out of the hand as we yep. clasp. Yep. So that's that yeah, was that was gross and funny. Thank you. Yeah. That I was like that. Uh, yeah. So we some things we make up, some of the physical things we make up when we when we film it, but. Right, because that's uh, it's going to be a little more in the moment than you know the the words which you can put on the put on page and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, and stuff like that is easy to add in some physical stuff rather yep. than lines that need to be reacted to a certain way. Yeah. So, comedic influences. Yes. Give me one of yours. There are many, and yeah. very difficult to narrow it down, as I'm sure it was for you. So, listen, I, if they're listening today, if any of your comedic influences are listening today. And I pray that they are. Uh, hopefully. What I'd like to convey to them is that, look, we were just looking for five. We can't do all of them. We could always have them come back. And if they really want to, uh, you know, put in some sort of complaint about it, lodge a, a suggestion for mm-hmm. next time, feel free. And look, let me just make a, a, a personal apology to, to Joe Pesci. You didn't make the list, buddy. And I'm sorry. You just didn't. Joe Pesci, big listener. Rest of power. WPRK and... The yeah. show specifically. Right. Okay. Friend of the show. So <laughs> I put as number one, I put Stella. Are you familiar with Stella? Sounds very familiar. So there was a sketch group called The State back in the yeah. oh, 90s yes, on MTV. Yes, yes. Yeah. And a very large ensemble of very funny people. Now, uh, at some point, The State ended and... A big chunk of the cast went on to make Reno 911. Remember that? Yep. Where the rest of them formed Stella. The rest of them being David Wayne, Michael Ian Black, and Michael Showalter. So it's just those three guys. And they they have their comedy group named Stella. They do shows. But there was one year, I think 2005, where they, they got their own TV show on Comedy Central mm-hmm. for just one year because it was not popular but it was probably very good but not popular it's very weird but so the reason they're my number one is because though i have other influence influences that have been around longer when i saw the show i remember i remember my sister kind of called me into her room and told like chris you've got to you got to turn this on you're you're gonna love this and or I think she came into my room or something, but we watched the the pilot of it. And for the first time, I, I felt like they were speaking my comedic language. Like it, it got me yeah. to the bone, like to the core. Like this is this is funny to me. This is what humor is to me. It just nailed me. I, I was laughing so hard the whole time. And it's very silly, very bizarre. But, oh man, I, I love it. They... So it's I think the tagline of the show is like comedy comedy in suits or something like that or some but they they're just three guys and they they live together and they're always wearing suits and that kind of plays into the the humor cuz they'll be like slathering 
uh, sunblock on over their suit. Over the suit. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and they, That's probably why they couldn't do a second season is because all of their budget for the second season went towards suits. It was all suits. And then uh, the spinoff, though, Suits, uh, was a really successful show. Or might still be. I'm not sure. I think it's still on. Okay. Yeah. One of the most successful spinoffs ever. Of actually. all time, yeah. 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 So Along with Gomer Pyle. Uh, Gilmore Pyle? Gomer Pyle. Gomer, Gomer it Pyle. It was the, so it was a spinoff of, uh, it was a prequel to the Gilmore Girls. Okay. Gilmore Pyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry. Sorry to distract you. No, right. that's fine. So, yeah, they only have one season of their show, but I, oh, I loved it so much. But David Wayne, one of the three, He's gone on to direct some of my favorite right comedies. Right, yeah. uh, Wet Hot American Summer and Michael Showalter. They're all in Wet Hot American yep. Summer and uh, Wanderlust, Role, role Models. Uh, we Came Together, the, or They Came Together with Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler. He, he just, man, he really, his humor aligns with mine so so well. Because it's, it's a mixture of clever and just so weird and anybody who knows me knows that my sense of humor is just can be really weird just really silly and if you don't know me when i'm in a group i find that my jokes don't go over very well right because yeah they don't know that i'm kidding because i have a i can have a very dry sense of humor sometimes and it just kind of goes you over deliver it and right yeah and they're just like why would he say that whereas to me i think it's why funny wouldn't that, you say that why wouldn't i say that but for me it's like i say things sometimes that like, why would anybody in the right mind say that? And to me, that's funny. Right. Like, just throwing out obvious facts as if they're interesting. That and have nothing to do with the conversation. Well, they'll, they'll have something to do with the conversation. Oh, okay. But but they'll just be so so known. But I put it out there as if it's really interesting. And, and that's funny to me for some reason. Well, most people do have ten fingers. Yeah. yeah. Did you, yeah, like, did you, like, when you think about it, nicotine is technically a drug <laughs> and uh, yeah yeah i can see that just coming up and oh and that okay. can just kind of yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like, all right yeah this group doesn't know me cool 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 cool, cool. uh yeah so it that's never well <laughs> yeah. but you found your tribe i did and i've Good. loved everything they've done since then the are you familiar with wet hot american summer oh for sure yeah the movie and is the, just incredible the movie's great the, the first season of the show the netflix show Amazing. Awesome. I think just as good as the movie, maybe better. When the other thing that I liked about that and, you know, it was so it was taking on those tropes and those stereotypes from mm -hmm. those types of movies. Yes. And doing a really good job with it. And thank you. That's a great point, because that's what they did with Stella with their one season. They just made fun of so many TV things that people take for granted and people are used to. They just call attention to it. And I love that. Yeah, they they have these big motivational speeches that are so dumb, and and but people just buy it. Like every episode has this fantastic happy ending that just comes out of nowhere. Like what? That doesn't <laughs> just making fun That's, of like how when shows right, have these, these it's a half hour shows, so you have to wrap right. it up. Yeah, right. And just like everything comes together so beautifully when it did not deserve that at all. And is they just make fun of so many things. And I, I love it when attention is called to tropes or to ridiculous things. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. All right. So that's, that's, Stella, Stella for you, baby. Thank you so much. And uh, if you missed any of the show today, we will have it up 
at some point on to a certain degree.com. So you could listen to the rest of it and hear all of these comedic influences and yell at us via podcast format as opposed yes. to just yelling towards your radio. Yes. It's so much more intimate to be able to yell into your phone. I think so, especially if you're on the, the elliptical luge or something oh. along those lines. I, I, I assume that's a thing. And I hope, I hope that you are a listener. I hope that you're on the elliptical luge. <laughs> it's fun to say luge. I'll be honest. Let's listen to a song and we'll come back with some more comedic influences with Chris Anderson. My name is Nick. You're listening to Odd Numbers on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. This is Mid-Air Thief with Seismic Wave. This episode is brought to you by Farm Off the Turnip Truck. Growing your own fruits and vegetables is a wonderful way to stay healthy. But what is your home garden missing? That's right, mobility. At Farm Off the Turnip Truck, we put a backyard into the back of your car so you always have access to a healthy meal. Farm off the turnip truck. Get your greens on the go. Go for a spin with your salad. Give a lift to your legumes. Cart around those carrots. Get trucking with your tomatoes. Get a free estimate for converting your vehicle at toacertaindegree.com. Mid-air thief on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. That was Seismic Wave. Good morning. My name is Nick. I do this every week from 7 to 9 a.m. Every week I have a very special guest. Chris Anderson is here. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Nick. We're doing uh, five-ish comedic influences. Well, the cat's out of the bag now. Yep. The, the cat out of the bag is one of our comedic influences, of course. Which we don't need to talk about because everybody knows that one. Nothing funnier than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I wanted to do, uh, Chris, is a seasoned improv professional. Like. Lightly seasoned. Lightly yes. seasoned. Well, I mean, you have seasoning on you. I think that was one of the interesting things. Can you that, smell it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the I, cumin is really coming through. Okay. I didn't want to do too much, but I felt like I wanted a little bit of spiciness to this interview. Yeah. No, that's perfect. Okay. And I invited Chris back. Chris was on uh, last year. You can go to a website called to a certain degree.com and listen to that interview, uh, or you could listen to the rest of this one if you uh, have a chance to do that, or any of the other ones. But the idea today was to come up with some of our comedic influences, to really challenge ourselves to come up with a limited number of comedic influences, because I think we could go on and on and on Mm -hmm. about, uh, and and each one would get maybe a little more nuanced, Mm -hmm. right? Like there was this one episode of this one show or podcast or something like that that really struck me. Right. But I think this is more of a global thing. And one of the ones uh, that came up when I was very young, and I didn't realize he was on SNL as this character. I knew him as sort of a stand-up artist because at the time when I was about, you know, somewhere between 13 and uh, 20, I collected a lot of cassettes of different stand-ups. So this was... Also, like Monty Python and Firesign Theater and all the, the classic groups that were out there. Mm-hmm. But a lot of stand-up stuff as well. So Emo Phillips and uh, anything really I could get my hands on. So this is uh, Don Novello. And you might know him as Father Guido Sarducci. So what I found really interesting about this is... So he would do this character. He was a cardinal from the Vatican who was a reporter for one of the Vatican's newspapers. So he was like a gossip gossip columnist and rock reporter slash reviewer. Okay. And so that was his entire gimmick on SNL. And he kind of translated that to the stand-up world where, you know, I, I didn't know that much about him, but I had one of his cassettes. And so it was just, 
you know, once I found out, I, I literally bought into the idea that his name was Guido Sarducci. Maybe he wasn't a cardinal at, you know, the, the Vatican, right. but that was his thing. And no, it's this writer, Don Novello. He created this character and he ran with it. And so the two takeaways for me were, you know, character work, um, not only on stage, but in writing in general is mm-hmm. really being so when I when I write dialogue, I sometimes can only write no matter how many characters I have, I'm only writing my perspective. Mm, Every yeah. character sounds like me. So how do you put yourself into another character's shoes? And so uh, that inspired me. Father Guido Sarducci inspired me to come up with a character that I wrote for a little bit called Dr. Julius Mangelhide. Okay. Who was a dream analyst, uh, but not really a doctor. Okay. So it was fake dream analysis that I did for a while there. But um, the other thing was one of his stand-up pieces, and I think you, you see this whether it's stand-up or sketch, is something really resonates with you. And hopefully you don't have this experience like I do sometimes where you're like, oh, why should I even write anything ever again? Because this thing is perfect. Mm -hmm. This thing that they're doing is the most perfect thing. Let me just throw away every writing utensil I've ever owned and just go and do something else entirely. And so this one luckily was more inspirational. There was a bit he does on Ronald Reagan. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how Ronald Reagan's neck looks so much older than the rest of his body. And he talks about how Ronald Reagan's neck was born first and then 10 or 15 years later, a baby popped out and it killed me. Like I bring this up all the time when I'm talking about my knees, when I'm talking about bits that I love, like this has never left me in terms of a bit. And it, I find it less so of the, I can never write anything as good as this and and more in the inspirational uh, category. Yeah. Like something Slightly ridiculous, just a, 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 an observation, mm-hmm. but not just the observational comedy, like taking it to another level. Yeah, offering this zany theory for something that anybody could observe, but right. calling attention to it and then like this thing that nobody else would turning think it of. Yeah. on its head. Have yeah. you had that experience where you're like, this, why would I ever write if this is out there in the world? And has, does that line up with any of your influences? Yeah, so one of one of mine on my list is Tim and Eric. Oh uh, yeah, Tim Heidecker and yep. Eric Wareheim, and they talk about zany. Uh, they their show Tim and Eric awesome show great job. I mean that is the very definition of the word esoteric. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's so bizarre. It's difficult sometimes to defend it because it gets so weird. Like watching it with somebody, like yes, I find this funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but they have some... There have been uh, these competing commercials. The competing commercials is something that comes up from time to time. I know Mr. Show did it a lot. Mm-hmm. Just these idea, this idea of like these two... Yeah, two people competing in a commercial or commercials competing. But they they have this one sketch... Or it's part of it is an episode, but yeah, it was, it was a sketch where they are two price business owners. Yeah. So Tim is advertising for his low prices, his discount prices. We've got 
two ninety nine. We've got seven ninety nine. We've got two fifty. Three. Just naming all these little prices, and then Eric comes in. No, well, come to come to Eric's premium prices. We've got nineteen ninety nine going for twenty dollars. We've got thirty five dollars on sale right now for forty dollars. Like we have fine European prices, and then and then Tim cuts in like, no, don't get his prices. His prices are way too stupid. Like. And they just so go back even and forth. products, or are they just talking no products. About they're just advertising. <laughs> they're, they're, they have prices, and then it just becomes this big, like really personal smear campaign against each other. Uh, still talking about prices sometimes, but also talking about like personal stuff that yeah. they know about each other. Yeah, like oh, that's don't fantastic. go anywhere near him. He's got a stink down there. Like <laughs> it just gets it gets crazy. So after that, after seeing something like that and probably watching it again and again, trying to share it with people and see if there was anybody that also found it funny. Yeah. Uh, because it sounds hilarious to me, but I don't know that everybody would uh, would see that as funny. Uh, what was your what was your takeaway? Did that did that inspire you to write something? Did you write something along those same lines or did you say, OK, I can never go into sort of this area because they they did it the best? They, a little bit of both. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't try to do the same idea, but they, oh, they did it so well. It did. I wrote a sketch that never got made. Uh, I, I still kind of bummed about that because we, I was in a sketch group called Poodle Box, and we, as we all are sometimes, we all find ourselves in yep. a Poodle Box type situation sometimes, but we. Had, I'd written this sketch and we were so close to filming. We had the day planned and it, things just, we had a lot of people and schedules didn't line up and it just never happened. But it was a, it was a competing, a, a, a different take on competing commercials like these two brothers. Uh, competing or, yeah, having similar business but kind of attacking each other. But we had, our, like it, had it had its own take. Yeah. But it did inspire me in that way to, because I, I love that idea, I love that concept, and as I said, Mr. Show's done it too, really well, and it just inspired me to take that concept that I love so much and just put a different spin on it. Uh, I still would like to make that that commercial someday, the you know, the the sketch, but we'll see. All right, well we can we can make that happen. Maybe we pare it down to uh, just seventeen people. Yes, down from the sixty-seven. 30 times 2, 67, was, that's what I was, I was going to say. My, please don't check the math on that. But yeah. yeah, 67 people was, it was just too difficult, first of all, to fit all those people in one room, which we often did. In the Hyundai as well. So you got yeah. the, the Hyundai into the room. You had to, you had to take the Hyundai apart, mm-hmm. the Sonata, by the way, okay. put it okay. in the room, okay. reassemble it in the room, and then you needed 67 people in there. Right. And boy, let me tell you, under those lights, it got a yeah. little hot. Yeah. <laughs> it got a I little hot. So. A lot of body heat. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of body heat. So, sorry, I went somewhere. So, you were starting to think about the movie Body Heat, obviously. But um, what obviously. else about? So, Tim and Eric, that's one of their sketches. But, yes. you know, they've done other things as well. What was it about them? Or can you see yourself at some point in that sort of. Um, uh, partnership in terms of writing and stuff. Oh yeah. Oh, I would love that. Yeah, absolutely. So one of my biggest takeaways from Tim and Eric is their editing style. 
their editing is so specific. It's a lot of, they just have fun with it. They'll take, people would be saying maybe a normal sentence, but they'll just throw in a couple like, kind of repeat. I don't, it's hard to describe, but it's when you watch any other things, it's things are cut off at just the right moment to be the funniest and random things thrown in there. I'm doing a terrible job explaining it, but well, I think that so in a way it's meant to, you, you know, look like a, uh, almost like a seventies or eighties production mm-hmm. yeah. where you were trying to like, they just got some sort of editing capability. So they were trying to work it in as much as possible because yeah. it was the newfangled thing. And yeah, okay, so the good. graphics are very, uh, vintage or throwback retro, if you will. Um, and a lot of the way they shoot is that. So they'll have sort of yeah. the rainbow pattern, psychedelic following people around and yep. things of that nature. Yeah, and it's not meant to look believable. It's just meant right. to look silly, like you're, to draw your attention to it. And yeah, it's a good way to put it. Like, well, they, they do it so well. That's the thing is mm-hmm. that they're trying to um, uh, bring you back or maybe have a certain look to it, but it's it feels feel so effortless mm-hmm. but you have to know that looking at it that there's they probably put as much effort into the editing as they did into the writing i'm sure right? i'm sure but i think it's lent a lot to my sense in editing because I, I i i do most of the editing for yeah the sketches that i do uh, nowadays and I don't have much technical know-how on the editing process and I could be doing it a lot better, especially with things like lighting and sound and stuff like that. Very new at that. But what I feel like I do have is a sense of good comedic timing. Yep. Um, how When it should cut to when this. The and, next scene or something along those lines. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of that I owe to Tim and Eric. Just So having said that, Editing, you know, it's when you're thinking about comedy and you're thinking about sketches, especially um, the editing part, the lighting, everything else that goes along with it. Uh, have you found that the more you do, the better you're getting at it? Or, have, yes. or do you regress? <laughs> I don't regress. <laughs> Are you Sometimes like, I just put one cut into this video. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I gone there yet. I, my first video, I started out with ten cuts. My tenth video, I started out with one cut. Let's and just shoot it in one, and <laughs> all right, we got it. I'm. I don't find I'm regressing. Sometimes my level of care in the production quality goes up and down. Sometimes it's like, okay, we got the sketches together how I want it. It doesn't look professional. It doesn't sound professional, but let's get it out there. We're filming with so Luke and I are filming with a an iPhone yeah. and editing just I mean with Adobe software, but it, it's all just homegrown stuff that we're using or amateur stuff. But that was okay when when we were doing Poodle Box. Our friend Ian had a lot of really great equipment, and it lent a lot of product good production value to yeah. our videos. And we don't have that with, with two fat boys, but that we decided that we weren't going to make that the focus. We were going to, not that it was the focus with Poodle Box, but we just wanted to make stuff that we found funny. It's, it's I, it really what it comes down to is from an audience perspective, I'm sure you've been here as well, is yeah, it'd be nice if you could do the Tim and Eric level production yeah. and editing and all that. 
But if your content isn't any good, right. or if your content isn't as good as it could be, it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. what the editing is. Yeah, it might help a little bit, but you know that extra 5% that you're going to put into it, it's, it's really about the content itself, and it's really about just keep pushing stuff out, mm-hmm. right? Have you found that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's what we we want to uh, we want to work those muscles and just get better at it. We both we both have dreams of making it onto SNL someday, as um, we all do. As we all do. Who doesn't, right? But you know, we we really so we want to just get as good as we can at, at writing sketches, and some of our sketches are better than others. But we just we're just trying to work that and get better and better with experience. Do you ever find you go back to a sketch afterwards? Like my, my issue with writing has always been, especially in an electronic age, um, even with uh, Facebook posts or blog posts or things like that is I can go back and edit it at any given time with a sketch, with a video, you're putting it out there and yes, you could go back and do that, but it'd be relatively speaking difficult to do yeah. a lot more. The level of hoops that you or the, the more hoops you have to go through mm-hmm. um, in order to do that is at a much higher level. So do you ever find like you're going back to a sketch, revisiting it and going, you know, I wouldn't mind redoing that now from this perspective with these shots and doing something else. Or do you just, are you just moving forward? I I'll look back and in in a very hypothetical way have some thoughts on what I might have done differently and and just see I'll see things like oh that wasn't the best choice here's how we could do it differently I I, I never actually consider changing it it's it's cuz I kind of like the idea of like trackable progression and yeah seeing keeping that preserved yes this was our first sketch um, you know I'm, I'm still proud of our, our first sketch and i think that was the one that you meant like the the handshake one yeah. i i really i really like that one yeah. and there there were things filming it that we could have done better of course but i like seeing that and and just trying to work those things that i've learned into future sketches just kind of move forward I like that. So just something, if you ever want to start another group where we just film the same sketch over and over and just change it slightly each time. That, I mean, there's nothing better for an audience perspective. Oh my gosh. They would love that. Yeah. They would love what's different in this one. Yes. And also let me go up on the Reddit and categorize all of the differences. Cause I know Sudoku and crossword puzzles have gotten a lot of attention, but what, the, the the old American standbys spot the differences. Yeah. That, that'll never yeah. get old. One of these things is not like the other. Yes. Yeah. All right. Speaking of which, let's play a song. Thank you so much. That's the end of the first hour. Hey. How fast does this go? You made it. I'm a delight to talk to. You, you certainly are. <laughs> that sounded <laughs> effortless. <laughs> gorilla toss. Gorilla like the, not the gorillas in the jungle, but the gorillas in the jungle that wear fatigues. Gorilla toss. Oh, gorilla. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Come up with me on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Chris Anderson, my very special guest, will be here for another hour. My name is Nick. You're listening to Odd Numbers. This episode is brought to you by a certified bad business idea called Presume. Presume takes your resume and turns it into a series of glossy photos with you at the center of the action. It's like glamour shots, but more career-focused. 
The same number of feathered boas, though. Presume. Ooh la la. Schedule your shoot today at toacertaindegree.com. That was Midair Thief on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Our second Midair Thief song of the day with Gamion Do It. I'm not sure how to say that. Everything is translated from, I believe, Korean. So I am not going to try to pronounce that any more than I already have. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to Odd Numbers on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Every Monday from 7 to 9 a.m., I have a very special guest this week. No exception. Chris Anderson is here. Chris Anderson is back. I'm back, baby. Yeah, you were on the show about a year, a little over a year ago. Mm-hmm. And so we had some fun. Then you can go listen to that show on to a certain degree.com. You can listen to this show and all the other shows there as well. Thank you so much for coming back. We are talking about comedic influences today. And so we had to limit it to five or else we could go all day in terms of our comedic influences. So these are uh, stand-up artists. These are writers. These are sketch groups. This is maybe just a particular uh, uh, bit that really it spoke to you in some way. Um, when you're thinking about that, uh, and I'm talking to the audience here, Chris, I'm not talking to you. Okay. So just take a moment. When you're okay. thinking about that, those, those things that really influence you or really hit you and, and you know, you remember like those jokes, uh, you know, there's so many Stephen Wright bits that are running through my head at any given time. And I look for ways and I look for opportunities to bring them up because I feel like I, I want other people to share in that comedy. I want people to know that, you know, uh, the kids in the hall are fantastic. And I, I want you to watch that so you can share the joy and the delight that I had. And also gain a peek into why you function and, the way you <laughs> I, why I am the way I am. Why, yes, yes, that would be uh, lovely as well if you could do that. Um, when you're sharing stuff with people, uh, what is usually like when you get maybe too excited about stuff? Have you been in that position where you're trying to explain something and you know you're doing a terrible job, but you're like, I just got to keep going. I'll just get through it. And I'm never going to talk to this person again because there's no way they're going to talk to me. Um, I get a little too self-aware during Do times you? like that. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll bail if I, if I feel like I'm not like... Or just show the clip or something. Oh, that's you know what we can do that now, right? right you can just kind right. of pull up your phone and stuff. Uh, Bob Newhart, who um, did a couple of TV shows, but was also um, incredible stand-up, very famous mm-hmm. and very influential on in a lot of uh, comedians. He would talk about how he was always reading the audience, and for every joke, he had out points. So if it wasn't landing or mm-hmm. he felt like it was coming to its natural conclusion, instead of hitting it at 0.5, he would hit it at 0.3 and then go on to the next one. That's really smart. Yeah. I, I don't know that I could ever write like that, though. It's because, very methodical. Oh, my gosh. Like, mm. you are rehearsing. and But the, the part that I don't know that you have to go up and do stand-up over and over again is that you know that audience reaction Mm -hmm. you have to be able to read that room Mm -hmm. and i think that a lot of uh i I know this would influence me i would imagine this is a problem for most comedians or a lot of comedians where your ego is involved yeah right like i want to get to the end of this joke or get all of the pieces of the joke in because i spend a lot of time on this Mm -hmm. because this is mine this is a reflection of me so Definitely. having that humility and being able to do that is is pretty compelling. 
Yeah, I was listening to an interview with Matt Bester the other day, and he's talking about how... Matt Bester from UCB? Yes. Yep. He was talking about how with stand-up, you can't you can't blame the, the audience. Like if your joke isn't landing, it could, it could just be that night. That that night audience, yeah. it, it could be. But if that's happening like three nights in a row, like you've got to change the joke or get a different one because Set objectively fire, yeah. that one is just not working. Right. <laughs> Even if you find it funny, it's a very, or somebody told cut. you it was funny. Right. Yeah. So uh, another comment, I completely forgot about that Bob Newhart reference till just then, so I might go over my five. But what is another uh, comedic influence for you, Chris? So a big one currently would be the podcast or TV show called Comedy Bang Bang. Mm. You familiar with it? Very much so. Um, anytime that, uh, so for people, you want to describe it first and I'll go into a little detail on my end. Yeah. So it started as a podcast originally called comedy death ray. I think it was a radio show, right? Radio show. Yes. Yeah. Com- comedy death ray. And then eventually became a podcast called comedy bang bang. And so the, the format is the host Scott Ackerman plays a, a version of himself. He, he's himself, but he kind of a little bit of a heightened version. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Especially on the TV show. Yes. He is a character. A polished yeah. character, yeah. But in the in the podcast, he will have, usually, so he'll have a few guests on each time, and they'll come on one at a time, or, or two if they're like a duo, but usually the first guest will be a relatively well-known comedian. Uh, your, your John Hamm, your... Uh, Weird Al Yankovic Weird has Al been Yan- on, yes. Amy Poehler has been yes. on, yeah. Uh, Andy Sandberg. So somebody that you've heard of, they'll come on as themselves or sometimes a heightened version of themselves, but mm-hmm. or sometimes as a character, but he'll he'll interview the that person for a little while and then they'll bring on new guests. And these are sometimes other very well-known comedians, but sometimes lesser known, more in the, the local LA improv scene or, or whatever. But they'll come on as characters. We've got an entrepreneur here. We've got uh, a rope trick expert. We've got right, and a, sometimes it's yeah. more well known. It's I, I think he's had Paul F. Tompkins on as Cake Boss and stuff like yes. that, right? Cake Boss, yes. And it's easier to do uh, a little bit of that on the podcast because you're not trying to visually uh, replicate that character, right? right? Which is uh, it's not meant to be like an SNL where they're actually dressing up like the character and right. stuff like that, but. Um, that when it's pretty much any time Paul F. Tompkins is on any show, I have to listen to it. Right. That, because he is amazing as, as far as improvisation goes. He is. So then um, on the on the podcast version, mm-hmm. it's a bit like that as well, where you have Scott Ackerman, a little less so. But if you like improv at all, would you say that's one of the main podcasts to listen to? Oh, definitely. It's There are a lot of improv podcasts. And I think they all do things a little differently. Yeah. I just really gravitate towards Comedy Bang Bang. It's 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 the one podcast I listen to every episode without fail, just no exception. And some I don't enjoy as much as others, but they're ones that are just having me laugh the whole time. But it, it's I love the improv in it, and I love the way they they play off each other and will. Like they they'll describe how the character looks, but they're just making it up, and it gets yeah. really ridiculous. Yeah. And yeah, I I, I, f- I find that really inspirational for my comedy, and specifically like with pod podcasting, I guess. 
So let me ask you this, um, having done improv and having trained on it, uh, in many cases, it seems very effortless on that show. Yeah. So they've really, and, and maybe they know each other and maybe they've performed together or maybe is it because they're so, if they haven't done that, is it because they're so, the, the yes and sort of philosophy of improv is so ingrained on them that they're just going to keep going? Yeah. And the more you listen to it, the more you can pick up on when that isn't happening. Oh, for sure. It stands out when yeah. someone, sometimes someone's a little too excited to be there and it, they're putting too many things out there and right. it's just kind of, or they bring it. a character back too many times. Mm-hmm. So that's happened. I've noticed that a couple of times because in some cases I got excited about it and then yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, this, this character has kind of run its course. Right. <laughs> One of my favorite guests though, Thomas Middleditch, he, uh, he's the main character on Silicon Valley. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. He is so funny and he always comes on. He'll usually come on as himself for a little while, but then he has to run out and then he comes back as this, crazy character he's just made up and i don't know that he's ever done the same character twice but they're always so (laughs) they're so zany and he just like the 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 very first time he came on as a guest he didn't know he was supposed to come up with a character uh (laughs) so he didn't even have anything prepared at all any kind of idea because often they'll come on with an idea ahead of time an idea yeah and then they kind of make it up but but he had no idea and then he was asked what his name is and he's like uh Joey Tortellini, and then just made up this crazy character <laughs> doing his voice the whole time. And I love, do so I love much the fun, voice yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, that yeah, always yeah. appeals to you're, me. You're a voice guy. I'm a, I'm a voice. Hey, if there's one thing about me, it's I'm a voice guy. <laughs> if there's one thing about you is that you have a voice. I have. I that is you watch the voice. Oof. You uh, take voice lessons. You give <sighs> voice lessons. For free. Uh, uh, Yes. And uh, (laughs) so natural. So natural. I'm really nervous right now. Yeah. A lot of improv going on here, folks. (laughs) Do you have a favorite episode or is it one you mentioned Thomas Middleditch as a guest? But did you have a uh, one that you like? If anybody ever wants to listen to this, it's going to be this one. Yes. I don't have the date. Memorized. Yeah, it's because they're on what probably pushing four hundred of them, or oh, they're they've broken off six hundos. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. uh, they're in the six hundreds, I think. Yeah, and so it's been going on for several years, eight or nine years or something. Yeah, there was one a few years ago with Thomas Middleditch, and he had this character named Turd Dunkweed, and he is, uh, he just he was this, he's a stand-up comedian who looks like a pencil. <laughs> and uh, he was on with Kumail Nanjiani. Who oh, was nice! Yeah. There as his uh, his manager, Kumi Nujuni. <laughs> and he, he'd have these these hilarious political jokes that were not really, but they would always end in like a little to the left. <laughs> and it's just like it was just this crazy character. He, he walked around with dual Uzis, and yeah, just yeah, that was a particularly funny one that just had me laughing the whole time. Having done some character work, he came on. Uh, so if somebody was to listen to the show, that uh, the interview that we did last year, it was half of you as Chris Anderson. Mm-hmm. And then, then I had to go. You had to go, and in came Larry. Yeah, my good friend Larry Goldman. Yeah, he was very kind enough to sit in for you uh, there. You can see some pictures of Larry Goldman out there as well. Um, how, how tough is it for well, – how do you prepare 
to go into character for a length of time or for something like that for a radio interview? Like, do you practice that character? Are you looking in the mirror and practicing it while you're driving? Are you, uh, are you practicing it with people and making them incredibly uncomfortable and insane? I do like to workshop characters generally. And that can, I have a lot of really funny friends and not to brag, but <laughs> no, I, I have so many friends that make me laugh really hard. And I love, hey, this is a new character uh, I'm working on. Uh, Larry Goldman was, that character was born while I was playing a video game with my friend and just came up with this character who was really bad at stand up and it just, it just kind of took on a life of its own. And uh, just kind of, it became this thing. I've got this, this one I'm working on right now. Tommy Pats, and uh, he's just like, he's obsessed with O'Doul's, and he, he thinks that it, it secretly is alcoholic. Like, he'll get into a party like, hey, hey guys, how's it going? Hey, hey just keep the O'Doul's away from me, you know what I mean, right? Uh, it's just, and I'll just like, when I'm hanging out with different groups of friends, I'll just kind of workshop it with them, and then they'll have ideas as well. Yeah. And it just kind of morphs, and then eventually I do something with it, whether it's a sketch an improv thing, or if it's showing up at a Halloween party, and just doing the character all just night doing long. The character, yeah. No, that's great. That's but great. I'm sure that makes people feel they, comfortable. They love it. And, <laughs> I know they do. Yeah. And uh, you'd be far, hard pressed to find anybody to say otherwise. And if they do say otherwise, I'm not interested. And also, they probably weren't even there. Yeah. Yeah. Let's they're be just honest. Trolling you. Yes. There's so many trolls out there. Blech. Blech. <laughs> all right. Thank you yeah. so much. Hey, you're welcome. That was good. So let's listen to another song. Okay. The Avondale Bowling Club, because we haven't heard from enough bowling clubs today. I've noticed. If you are a bowling club or know of a bowling club that uh, also records music that we should play on WPRK, please let us know. Please. This is Tea Break. So we'll take a break. We'll have some tea. Okay. As well. Yeah. But Because we're playing this song. It seems yes. uh, inspiring for that. You're yes, listening... Right. Two odd numbers. Is that one of the bowling club? Oh yeah, that's that. Uh, is that a member? Ted. Ted. Ted yeah. is here from the bowling club. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, I'm late, but here, listen to my song and enjoy it, please. Thank you so much, Ted. Uh, thanks, Ted. I can't. I can't thank you enough for that. Uh, you're listening to Odd Numbers, WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Thank you so much. Yes. No, I'm talking to the audience. <sighs> Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Sorry, audience. Well, I mean, you're listening too, technically. I, well. <laughs> Every other word. <laughs> Hello, Nick here. If you're like me, you get mad at people. And if you're also like me, you're getting older and forgetting the people you have beef with. Until now. Our new sponsor, I'm a big fan, Track and Ruin, takes the work out of managing your anger. Who are we tracking here? Who are we talking about? How about the person who didn't tell you about the spinach in your teeth or that your collar was popped? They took your parking space. They never acknowledged a gift. Whatever the wrong is, whether it's real or imaginary, you put it into your phone through our app. But Nick, you say, what makes this more special than a regular list? I'm glad you asked. What Track and Ruin does is cross-reference the wrongdoer wherever they exist on your phone, across every possible medium. That person posts something funny on Facebook and you click like, our app won't let you. It'll set up a warning so that you can't like any of their posts for say, three days to three years. Another person on your list calls and asks you for a favor. The app prevents you from calling them back until a certain amount of time has elapsed. Yes, it's passive-aggressive and petty, 
but so was she when she gave you that backhanded compliment about your shoes. Track and ruin. Your retribution is our business. Drums, a flute, some some light vocals. What more do you need? In this day and age, not much else, Nick. It's it's just enough. It's subtle and yet subtle. Oh, this is it's a piping tepid tea. Wow, thank you for that. That my ASMR has been fully uh, woke. Uh, Avondale Bowling Club was the name of the song from their self-titled album, Tea Break was the name of the song. Sorry, Avondale Bowling Club is the name of the artist. Good morning. My name is Nick. I'm here with Chris Anderson. We are here for another about half hour. For your listening pleasure. And then I have to release Chris back out into the wild, uh, unfortunately for the wild, but it'll be fine. We'll all be, we'll all be fine. I, yeah, I brought snacks. Yeah. Chris is here, uh, a returning guest, and we are talking about our comedy influences. I would encourage you to kind of look at this and share, if you want, with us or with other people, your comedy influences. I did want to talk about Mr. Show for a second. Yes. Such a great, uh, just comedy sketch program, really pushing a lot of limits when it was on back in the 90s. But there was one, I, I think there's always, when you're, you're looking at something that's influential to you, there's always this one moment where you don't know where the episode or the sketch is going to go. And you realize you're okay with that. Oh, yeah. And it just allows you to be delighted by where it's going. Yeah. And there was an episode that they did, or one sketch that they did. It was called uh, Nils Guitar School uh, and then sort of slash Imminent Death Syndrome. And the idea behind this was uh, this young man was going to take uh, guitar lessons at Nils Guitar School, and he was terrible at it. And so he started playing, but they were praising him uh, for how good he was because they had gotten a call from his mom that he had imminent death syndrome. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Right. And so this idea that you think you're going to die and the doctor eventually comes on and he's talking about, you have these people have 80 to hundred years to live. Um, but we don't know when they're going to die. And it's just, it's so, uh, banal. It's, it's like, yeah, that's all of us. Yeah. We all have imminent death syndrome, but he's talking about how there's not only this character who was eventually, um, uh, going on to become a guitar legend because everybody was in on the joke. Everyone was in on this, sort of plot to make him feel good because he was about to die right or they thought he was about to die uh but then i think where they took it to the next level for me is the doctors talking about other people who also have imminent death death syndrome and it was uh people so again this is the 90s but it was like ann rice uh the author of the vampire stuff uh, quentin tarantino the actor not the director um and then he goes and this is just you know, I was thinking about, do you just do people you hate or you think that are talentless hacks? Or do you throw in some other people as well just to make people go, ooh, like cringe a little bit? Mm-hmm. And he goes, and, and obviously, you know, this is through the lens of him having passed away uh, in the last year, Stephen Hawking. <laughs> and he goes with air quotes, he goes, yeah, a brilliant guy. <laughs> and it just killed me. Like the buildup, the slow burn of that entire sketch And I remember going, I have to own this and show this to other people. And the only way to do that at the time was to actually record it on VCR tape. Mm -hmm. 
And so I did, and I would try to play it back for people. And I think that's one of the elements of that, you know, sort of, okay, if you understand this, you will get me. Yeah. Right. And, and it's harder to other people. It's harder back then. You had to lure them into your home first. Oh, you had to lure them into your home. You had to, you had to lock the doors <laughs> and the windows um, close the or shut the the curtains yeah you had to it, while you're kind of you know not holding them in place i don't want to call it that let's not let's restraining them abrasive yeah yeah you're you're trying to keep them at the the potentially best viewing angle yes you're for in, the tv involuntarily enticing them to stay correct so that they could watch that and i feel like that's the way to do it if you're feeling uh like you're being held Against your will. Again, that's probably too strong. That's where comedy happens. That is essentially comedy. Mm-hmm. Comedy is drama plus being held against your will plus time. Because you're being held against your will. That's that's where the time element comes in. Bringing it back to Stephen Hawking, right? Like that was his theory. <laughs> that was his whole thing. That was the yeah. grand unifying uh, grand wow. unification theory. You're really good at this. I'm, I'm Stephen Hawking. You're Stephen Hawking? I'm Stephen Hawking. <laughs> We're all Stephen Hawking. Okay, that's a really good impression, too. So, Chris, uh, another one of yours, that was Mr. Show for me. Uh, you had mentioned that that was uh, an influence for you as well. It was, and I, I knew that it was going to be one of yours. That's why I didn't yeah. put it on my list. It's not, and I didn't, I was not aware of them for a really long time. My introduction to Bob Odenkirk was actually Tim and Eric. Oh, yeah. Enough. Yeah. And I got to know him better on Breaking Bad, but in a very different way. But he's he makes appearances on Tim and Eric as a really funny guy. But it was only like, Last year, I think that I finally sat down and watched all of Mr. Show and then immediately well, got it on DVD. Like, yeah, and I don't think it was available for a long time. Probably not. Yeah, so what happened was there was some issues with HBO between uh, David Cross and Bob Odenkirk and HBO and some of the rights to the music. I, I, I may be making part of this up, but in general, um, they hated HBO. HBO mm. hated them. Again, I may be making some parts of this up. I'm not sure and if probably that's accurate. Are. And what's not, but it wasn't available for a long time, so it was very hard to get. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think they um, uh, did a show for Netflix. Yeah, with Bob and David. With Bob and David. I saw that which before was I saw. Essentially, an Mr. extension Show. of Mr. Show, all the same characters, well, not characters, but all the same uh, actors. Players, yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, that was very interesting, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad you caught that because that yeah. is an excellent one. It was weird. So, yeah, I had watched Bob and David without having seen Mr. Show first. And it was weird at first. It seemed yeah. like with the audience there, I wasn't used to that. I mean, I'm used to SNL, which is actually my last, next item on the list. Spoiler alert. But uh, yeah, it was it was a little jarring at first. But then I'm like, got it as I got into yeah. it. It was oh, this is really clever. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. a lot of shows were like that. I think uh, Dave Chappelle did a bit of that as well on his show, mm-hmm. where he would come out and sort of introduce a sketch and maybe do some stand up in front of a live audience and. Uh, that's where SNL. Let's get into it. SNL. Yeah, it had to. It had to make the list. Um, Shady, nasty llamas. Yeah. I don't know how to. <laughs> I don't know how to come back from that. Um, yeah, there are so many. I mean, I grew up watching SNL. So a lot of times, it's a, a very influential piece when you're a kid, right? Because it's mm-hmm. your first. It's first of all because it's on so late on a Saturday night. It's yeah, sort of this thing that it's, you're not supposed to get. Yeah, so it becomes this taboo—not taboo because of the comedy, but taboo because I'm staying up late and I'm right. doing this. You've you've like earned it. You're becoming a grown up, which is 
usually a great feeling. It's not great when like something very inappropriate comes on and you're there sitting next to your dad watching yep. it and trying your hardest not to laugh, but then it just gets really, really off out there and you can't help but laugh and you feel terrible. <laughs> That's a specific thing. Did your dad not laugh? Was he just sitting there stoically just yeah. to make you uncomfortable? That's <laughs> I what I, I would do. I don't know why he was <laughs> That's what I would do. Did your dad never laugh? Oh, no, he laughed. Okay, he laughed. just not at that. Not at that. <laughs> I mean, this is the uh, cleaning up the the J in my J in my pants. The, oh yeah. <laughs> and like Bruce Willis is dead at the end of Sixth Sense, and I <laughs> and I just I lost it. Like uh, it was that was a that was an uncomfortable moment. <laughs> the first time seeing that. But uh, yeah, yes. no, it was growing up watching that was. Yeah, it was definitely an impactful thing. Was there a specific sketch or something that you will always remember that you always kind of refer back to or season or player? It's, um, yeah, it's so tough to narrow it down. But there's one in particular, and I chose this one because it doesn't get a lot of attention, but I love it so much. This is uh, Will Forte. Yep. So it would be several years ago, but in the 2000s. And he... So I love I love characters. I love crazy characters. And in this sketch, he's it's Will Forte on a date with Megan Fox. And it's actually Megan Fox. She was hosting that episode. Mm-hmm. And so she's just playing this like, you know, beautiful woman character. And then and Will Forte is this this like this guy, he he just kinda talks like this and he's always kinda looking down and glancing over at her sometimes. And she's he, he's a uh, he's on SWAT, um, she, and she'll ask him like, "So is that hard being on SWAT?" It's really hard. <laughs> and just like I raise lambs, just a lot of weird things that he throws out there, and it just it's 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 one of those sketches that I've just shared with so many people because yeah. it's it just kills me. Uh, so the dichotomy of that type of character being with what you would see as a stereotypical, you know, this beautiful woman who would never date right. that kind of and guy. she's so into him and yeah. he's just really out there. A nebbish, if yeah. you will. And it ends so well. You gotta look it up. It's yeah. The ending is just perfect. It's uh, yeah. So that's one of my that's one of my favorite, one of my many favorites, but it's, it doesn't get a lot of attention, so I, yeah, I wanted to bring that one up. Alright, so you're welcome, Will Forte. Hey, well, Forte, if you're listening, <laughs> great job. <laughs> what do you mean if? He's definitely listening. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, w- so would you say that that was your biggest influence as far as wanting to do characters and things like that? I would definitely say it's, it's one of them because that was before I started doing comedy. I mean, yeah. I've always done comedy. I, like I made, I would make videos for school projects on, you know, on VHS and, but but this was before I started actually doing it. But it did really get me interested in in those crazy characters, just making really interesting out there characters. Uh, so he's Will Forte is really good at that. Nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, why don't we play another song? We've got uh, how many more do we have here? Do you have one? I've got one more. All right, perfect. So that should wrap it up very well in a nice little bow. Hmm. No, literally, we're, I'm going to tie you in a little bow. Hey, I'm down for anything. It's that my, kind of show. My agent told you that. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I liked about it was you're already covered in bows. Mm-hmm. I came pre-wrapped. So pre-bowed. I think that was <laughs> pre-bowed. Yes. 
Uh, you brought your Bowflex. I mean, mm-hmm. you went bow crazy. Bow and arrow. Yeah. Yeah, so you're exercising right now. Man, those pectoral muscles. Yeah, this one I call the uh, Susan Sarandon. As we all do sometimes. Uh, why don't we listen to a song while I really take that in? Uh, we'll do Beach House again. No, let's do David Bowie. Okay. The Gene Genie from Aladdin Sane on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to Odd Numbers. This episode is brought to you by Shotgun Bedding. Sometimes you need a bed, and you need it fast. Who you going to call? You're going to call the friendly neighborhood sleep installation experts. This isn't just a mattress we're bringing to your house where you don't exactly know where it's coming from. It's a space-age foam polymer that is shot at a high velocity wherever you want, in whatever shape you want, and it'll be stuck there for years. Instant bed. That's there forever. As with most of our products, don't ingest it, look at it directly, or allow your mind to give in to the dark thoughts while lying on top of it. Order your comfy shotgun bedding at toacertaindegree.com. David Bowie on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. That was the Gene Genie from Aladdin Sane. Good morning, my name is Nick. It's almost time for us to go on this lovely Monday morning. An episode of Odd Numbers is almost, as they say, in the can. In the can. Chris Anderson is here. Chris, thank you again so much for coming out, talking all things comedy with me. We have some of the same influences, so that's always uh, nice to hear that I'm not the only one out there. Right. I love hearing when people are like me, because when they are not, (sighs) the worst. Yikes. So we've talked about a number of different things. If you missed any of the show, you can go back and listen to it at toacertaindegree.com. I'll have it up hopefully later this week. But go ahead and just subscribe on iTunes and uh, Google Play and Stitcher and those other places that you can subscribe to podcasts because then it'll just come up naturally and you can listen to it during your drive, while you're working out, making uh, the donuts, which I think a big part of our audience are donut makers. Yes, Dunkin' Donuts is, a, I believe, a sponsor? Uh, not so much a sponsor as uh, some place that sometimes I go and ask them for free donuts. Okay. Yeah. And I say, hey, I do a podcast, by the way. Not impressed. No? Yeah, it's weird. Uh, over the weekend, we had Maker Fair Orlando. So um, that was an incredible event. And one of the things that I'm always inspired by is to go around and talk to people who are doing things not necessarily as their day job, doing things on their own, taking their passion project to the next level, and then wanting to go out and talk to people about it. And I think podcasters definitely fall in that area. But in your case, Chris, um, you have a day job. You're Mm -hmm. a mental health counselor. Mm -hmm. And comedy is that passion project for you. Yes. So you do that on the side. That's your creative outlet. Right, right. um, Or one of them. I don't know. You may have many. You may also make uh, uh, ceramics. Or you may also uh, some sort of mosaics out of the ceramics that you break. Right. Or you take those mosaics out of ceramics that you break and install them Banksy style. Yeah, so shred them. And then shred them immediately. Which Shredding is mosaic is difficult. a pain. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, kind of what you're working on and why this is, you know, from, from your perspective, why this is important for you to do and pursue? Yeah. So, I yeah, as you mentioned, I'm a mental health therapist during the day. And it, uh, you know, contrary to public opinion, it doesn't necessarily lend itself to comedy. A whole mm-hmm. lot. Um, do uh, do some pretty heavy stuff during the day, a lot of the time, and 
it is but you would have gone into comedy anyway i mean you seem to have that you got bitten by the bug right i think when you were younger so it, it would have been your outlet so it's not necessarily sorry i was kind of usurping you but it's not necessarily a reaction to what you do during the day. Correct, correct. Yeah. Um, but it is really helpful because I am dealing with all that heavy stuff. And then when I can just write, do something that's just for laughs, just for the fun of it, that makes me laugh. And I, I love the whole process mm-hmm. of, of writing sketches, producing them, editing, not as much, but, but I enjoy that. But also improv, it's just fun. I just... It's a, such a release of all the difficult stuff that I deal with during the day. So, yeah, currently, as I mentioned before, Lu, Lucindo Texera and I are in Two Fat Boys. And so we do we do sketches. We've also started developing a podcast of our own. Mm-hmm. We haven't released any of it yet. We've just been developing and practicing the idea. But our idea, it, we're, the working title so far is What You're Watching. And the idea is that we are improvising a randomly generated half hour of television okay. in audio form. So we have a couple different lists of genre, TV genres okay. and locations. And we'll have Google randomly generate a number for the genre and then the location. And then we just go with that. We go with that. We just make up a TV show based on that. We have a little commercial breaks, but we're also throwing, we just improvise commercials. And so we shoot for, we shoot for like 21, 22 minutes of actual show with some commercials. And with, with that in our introduction, it ends up being about half an hour, which is wow. pretty doable. Would, you know, it's pretty, podcasts can get really long. So yeah, I feel like half yeah. an hour, well, half an hour is a good no, 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 because I do, when I translate usually uh, my interviews, I do a half-hour version of it. Okay. So I'll cut it down to a half-hour if somebody wants to listen to that version only. Yeah. And then maybe they want to listen to the full version afterwards. Yeah. And I basically just take out all of the guest parts. Okay. And just do the parts where I sound the smartest. Yes. They're completely out of context, of course, because right, you don't right. hear what I'm reacting to or what I'm saying. But you know that it's smart. Yeah, I know you know that it's me being like super smart. Yeah. Yeah. That's clear. 100%. And it, and it helps that you will rem- you'll start most sentences with I am smart. Hey guys, I don't want to brag, but super smart. Yes. Well, you edit that in and post. Oh, a lot of times. Yes. Yeah. That's 50% of the interview. And that's great. <laughs> and it's great. But uh yeah, so we're a half hour is a good amount of time, but that sounds, from my perspective, uh, not being a uh, even lightly seasoned improv performer, uh, that sounds re- not hard, but you know, it, it sounds like a lot of work. It it is it is difficult. It's fun. It goes by pretty quickly. We do you edit a lot, or is it just this is the half hour we did? Do you do an hour and then cut it down? We we haven't. There's so our latest one we haven't done it yet, but we want to kind of edit that, add sound effects and stuff like that. Most oh, of the time, wow. so we do just, like foley and everything. Just a, a little bit, yeah. maybe some musical cues and okay. stuff like that. But we, we're we're still experimenting with it. Uh, but we most of it has just 
and again, we haven't really released it yet. We've just, yeah. just been for Oh, no, it sounds own. really up my alley. I would love to listen to it at some point. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's So you should fun. release it. Okay. Just okay. do it. Just release it as is. Can you put the knife down, please? Yeah. Okay, thank you. I'll, I will I will release it. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's that's a fun thing that we've... We've had a lot of um, non-fictional formats so far. The HDTV, we had a... Oh, it's got to be fun, though. It was. Yeah. It got pretty out there. We ended up in like the White House with the ghosts of past presidents who are still alive uh, visiting. As we all are sometimes. As we all do. And yeah, it gets out there. The last one we did, we had chosen the genre of home improvement, but we had been doing something non-fictional. We wanted to do a narrative one, a, a fiction, like, or yeah, narrative. That's what I mean. Uh, we wanted to do a narratively based one. So we ended up doing an episode an unaired episode of Home Improvement, the, the, the Tim Allen show, and that, that got pretty zany. And it, it, what was really fun was that Luke was not very familiar with the show. <laughs> so, that could be a challenge. It was, but it, I think, I think but it was I love that. I love the idea that you then had to, in a way, explain that to him, but through the character. Right. And he could interpret what tool time is. He could yep. interpret what the character is. That's great. Wilson. Yeah. 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 I was covering my face, you know, while we were talking. Yeah, he probably didn't understand that Not until at all. afterwards. Yeah. That's really good. Um, Chris, we've run out of time, but uh, we did have some other comedic influences that we wanted to mention because if they're listening, especially, I don't want them to have uh, hurt feelings, of course. No. So do you want to share yours? Yeah. My last one is another current, well, so they're called the Birthday Boys. They're oh, as, yeah. Oh, you're from, okay. So yeah. they're a sketch, they're a sketch group. They're very related to the comedy Bang Bang family. Mm-hmm. They were uh, discovered by Bob Odenkirk, and he produced. The, uh, they had two seasons of a TV show, but they are hilarious. They are so funny. It's a it's a it's a big group of guys, but they their stuff is so. They have such a fresh take on on different things, and, and I I love all their sketches. Um. I don't know if it's time to go into a specific one, but you have one minute to go into a specific one. Okay, they've got one in particular called the Contemporary Family, <laughs> and they—it's just so. This guy uh, is breaking down how families have evolved, and there, there's a the traditional idea of the family is maybe obsolete now. A family can be two moms or maybe two dads, and they're showing little portraits of different families. Yeah. A family can be ten dads. That's it. Just ten dads with no kids. <laughs> a family can be one kid all by himself, alone in the woods. Let's say you have thirty kids, a Hyundai Elantra, and three quarts of milk. That's a family. They just go through all these zany <laughs> scenarios, and they have a picture for each one, and it's just uh, it gets me every time. And that's a family to that's me. That's family, Chris. I feel like we're family now. Oh yeah. Ew. Yeah. I mean, no. Sorry. That yeah. Was- no, no, that's accurate. Okay. That's family to me. That's family. It's both. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's ooze and oz. Yeah. Mainly ooze. Is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here, Chris. Thank you for Anderson. having me. Uh, can people find you somewhere where they want to maybe subscribe to your future work? Yes. Um, you can find, best way would probably be on Facebook, our two fat boys. That's two, numeral two, P-H-A-T, and then B-O-I-Z. Or Zed for our non-American British listeners. listeners yes. Yeah, um, yeah. Two fat boys on Facebook like us, and 
we have got a few videos on there. Stay tuned for some more and check them out. Yeah. All right. Thank you. And I'll be back next week with Scott White, tattoo artist and artist in general. He actually has an opening, I think, on Thursday night uh, here in town, which I'm going to go check out and talk to him. I'm going to see his art before I actually have him on the show so we can talk intelligently about it. And if I'm really turned off by it, then I just won't show up to the show. What if you're really turned on by it? I will 100%. If, okay, so here's the thing. If okay. I'm on the radio next week, Monday at 7 a.m., talking to Scott White, mm-hmm. I was super turned on by his work. That's a good deal. Yeah. Yeah. Mess Hour with Marketing News coming up is looking at me shaking her head, as she often does. So let's listen to a song before I dig this hole any further. Car Seat Headrest with Sober to Death, I think is appropriate. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you. You've been listening to Odd Numbers on WBRK, Winter Park, Florida. Now, if I were a religious man, I would follow Chris's career with great intensity. Why, you might ask? Well, the answer to that is quite simple. And really, you just need to look to the stars to know the answer. Day in and day out, we look to the ground for our guidance. But what we're missing is what's above. What's above is what's really going to take care of us if we can just learn to tune into it. But it's a certain frequency which we don't usually tune into. Now the enlightened individual at this point knows that you must open your third eye to know what this frequency is. And once you open that third eye, you tune in to the right gigahertz. It's about somewhere between 25 and 44,000 gigahertz will put you right on your way to enlightenment if you're not already there. But if you are already there, then you know what you got to do. You see, it's the calmest that... Whoa, who the hell... Matthew McConaughey? Uh-huh. What are you doing here? Why, well, I, I was just uh, a record. Look, dude, just because you had your little reconnaissance doesn't mean you get to be in my home. Hey, 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 buddy, buddy. You're all right. I'm just going to continue on my way to the public library. Um, okay. All right. Uh, nope, you don't get your little catchphrase. All right, all right, all right. God damn it, Matthew.